Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, this is going to be my second interview with Tom Morley. We're going to finish up his charter vacation in Greece. Before I get to that, I want to still try to get some feedback on my idea of setting up an independent sailing instructor association or organization. And the intent would be that basically if you hire a qualified instructor, he's allowed to take you out and teach you how to sail and sign off on his assessment of your qualifications and certifications. Now the key is you have we would have to get to a critical mass of instructors and also charter companies that would recognize a certification to make this a viable idea. And, of course, the idea would be anybody that had a, already a Coast Guard certification or a, uh, the equivalent British certification would be qualified to be an instructor as long as they learned uh, certain standardized teaching methods and we followed a standardized curriculum. But there would be no school that they would be beholden to. They would be independent and they would be responsible for making sure that their students met the standards of what the certification would be. For instance, uh, you know, the ASA has basic keelboat, coastal cruising, and bareboat cruising, along with a lot of others. The association could set up similar certifications for these topics as well as others. And the idea would be to open this up to a broad range of instructors. So in, in other words, I could, let's say, I could go charter a boat and invite guests on the boat with me. And the intent would be to have a great vacation, but also it would be to be instructing you and qualifying you uh, in sailing. And the key on the certification would be the recognition that it would get from uh, the charter companies. So if you'd like to give me feedback on the idea, I would appreciate it. If you'd like to work with me on the idea, I would appreciate it as well. I've already tied up a bunch of domain names that would uh, be associated with it. The main one I'm thinking I would use would be indiesale.com, I-N-D-I-Sale.com. Just some thoughts. Feedback would be appreciated. Questions, comments, email me, franz1 at medsailor.com. My quick advertisement, it's going to be very quick right now. If you want to sign up for my email list, that will entitle you to get eight audio lessons that are the first eight audio lessons of the 16 audio lessons for my Sailing Learn to Sail basic keelboat certification lessons for the ASA 101. And this, this is an audio course. This is not a written course. It's not a book. It's an audio course. And if you like that, maybe you'd buy my other products, my other audio course products as well. That's all on that. Let's get on to my interview with Tom. 
All right, I'm back with Tom Morley, and this is the second episode of, of Tom talking about his charter trip to, uh, to Greece. And the last episode, you just arrived in Milos, and you were talking about backing into the key in, in Milos. Now, you had, to try, you had to come back in. You had to reset a couple times when you went in? Yeah. I'll admit it. It was four times. Well, and you know, <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's a big thing for me. I mean, I think, I think that's great. Because everybody assumes you can back in and you're done, and and you need to. It's, there's nothing embarrassing about going back out and trying again, and and people seem to feel like you shouldn't. And I, and quite often you're going to cross somebody's anchor, and that's that's not at all unusual. And it, in reality, if you cross somebody's anchor, you ask them if it's okay. What time are you leaving tomorrow? Let me know. I'll get up and make sure I'm out of here before you are. Or, or but at Crossed anchor lines, crossed roads is is really common in these moorings, and and having to reset is really common. So that's nothing to be embarrassed about. I wish more yeah. people would make sure they were well anchored and and not just assume they're they are and and be too embarrassed to go out and try again. So I think that that's great that you did it, and it took four times, and that's fine. So yeah, and the other thing I I think I I overdid was again with line. You have, you know, I just naturally had always put out four to one scope. But when you're in the harbor and you're protected, I, I got the feeling you really don't need that much scope. And and because the chain is so heavy. And it wasn't until I we left, not only did the guy next to us cross us um, and then leave his boat in the morning when we were ready to go. But um, the guy on the uh, both on port and starboard. Well, oh, then when we pulled it in, we hooked the guy on the starboard. The guy in port crossed us. And, um, but I, I just think that they're probably, again, I'm used to anchor line. That chain, one time I anchored, and I know I went snorkeling looking at it, and the anchor wasn't even holding the boat down. The chain was holding the boat down, I think. I mean, I'm sure if a wind gust came, it would be there. So, um, But now you said you also, I made the mistake at one other place of putting out a second anchor. And you've got a very clever technique for double anchoring that I just heard on, on a podcast. Tell me how that, how that works or where you put out a small anchor and then yeah, a big the, anchor. This is a technique that, uh, that I learned by, well, I was in Cape So Union and I've told this story many times. I was in Cape So Union and uh, we'd come up from Agena, my wife and kids were on board and, and suddenly as we approached, we wanted to get around the corner to Lavrion, but suddenly we had a full-fledged Meltimi blowing at us, and we decided, yeah. well, let's just pull into Cape So Union, which is not known for good holding, uh, but it's yeah, a nice... Yeah, pretty small, too. Yeah, and it's a nice, it's a nice bay, and, but you got that spectacular temple right there that's, that's worth right. seeing. And so we pulled in there, we dropped our anchor, and this was as... A, as pretty close to sun going down it was late in the afternoon early in the evening we dropped our anchor and i zoom in as close as i can on my gps and we settle down we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and i'm feeling pretty good about it we've got a lot of scope out but there's a lot of weeds there as well so you don't know if you've Mm. set on sand or weeds because it was too late in the day to really see where we we dropped our anchor and it was too dark to go down and check it. I usually like to put on a mask and fins and actually go down and look at my anchor. It's easy to do in the Mediterranean because the water's nice and warm. But anyway, the, during that night, the wind was blowing us out to sea, so I wasn't in danger of being blown ashore. I was really being in danger of being blown out to sea, which was you know inconvenient mm-hmm. but not dangerous. 
So eventually I go to sleep, and in the morning I get up and I look at, zoom in on my GPS, and you can see that you've got this, this arc that I had initially set, and then suddenly a straight line going down about oh, 100 yards, and then a new arc. So obviously at night I had dragged anchor in the middle of the night, and my anchor had, had reset itself. But the wind was blowing all day long that day, but, you know, the wind can blow and you can still go swimming. So I jumped in the water and swam over to a boat which was next to me, it was, um, I think it was a powerboat, a small Greek powerboat. I mean, not small, about the same size as mine, but more of a powerboat than a sailboat. And I went out and just checked his anchor line. I said, I'm going to see out what he's got for an anchor line. So I swam out and went out to the very end of his. And he had, um, I think it was basically a fisherman's anchor. But out in front of the fisherman's anchor was a small, uh, just tied on a line, Maybe a eight foot line, a small uh, Danforth anchor. Like yeah, like five pounds or yeah, something. fortress. I like I use a fortress anchor, light a light fortress anchor. So, so and he was snug as a bug in the rug. Now that Danforth was dug in really, really, really good because it's got perfectly horizontal pull on that Danforth anchor because you've got the big anchor holding it down to the ground. So for that Danforth anchor to actually come out, you've got to raise up the uh, the, the main anchor <laughs> and lift it, and it's not going anywhere. So no, I, no. Yeah. So when I'm worried about when I have real strong winds, I just I have that da- my fortress anchor. I just tie on a line about eight feet long, and I lower it first. And trouble with Danforth and fortress anchors is you've got to make sure the flukes don't get caught. You don't want to drop it suddenly down to the bottom because you can get those flukes the lot the road caught between the flukes and it won't dig in so you got to make sure you lower that first and let that set on the ground and then lower your main anchor and then back in and that's my double anchor technique now you see all these other double anchor techniques where they take two totally separate anchors and go out at a 45 degree anchor angle or or put one in front of another and and they all have their problems. This is a simple, simple method that I've found has been a, a very effective method for you know, anchoring in, in fairly strong winds. So that's, that's and that, that wasn't my idea. I just copied it from somebody else that had figured it out. Yeah, no, I've always had that 45-degree angle thing. Uh, but again, and, and, and finally, the, the second last night when we were anchored at Kithnos, um, we my wife had to live without the hairdryer, and we put out two because the wind was just swirling. We were going all over. But we had to get it out of the lazarette, put in the dinghy, and then we put, you know, 200 feet of chain in the dinghy and rode it out there and dropped it. And, you know, which, you know, I got strong boys, so it wasn't all me. But, but the next morning, there's no way you can pull up 200 feet of chain on the bottom with your hand like you would – an anchor line like I did on Lake Michigan. And so we ended up trying to unshackle the windlass from the original anchor and, and that was impossible. And then get the other chain doubled through. It was just, it was a mess. And I heard your, yeah, I heard you describe this and I go, Oh, that's just sounds simple and super, super effective. So. Well, and the other I thing really, is, I really is liked it. If you're swinging, if you're at an anchor and there's other boats and you've got two anchors out at 45 degree, your swing is going to be totally different than every other. Well, yeah, you're, you're right. You aren't swinging together anymore either. Where your technique, you're all swinging together. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was, that's, uh, that's real, real smart. I liked, I liked your, your ideas on that. So now let me talk to you about Milos a little bit. Did, did you rent a car? It's a huge Island. So did you rent a car and mm-hmm. drive around? Yeah, we certainly did. 
and um, we got over to uh, we got over to the well, a couple different places. There's some of the oldest ruins in Greece are in Milos. They're like 1200 BC. That we enjoyed that. There's kind of a little swimming hole with some very white caves, kind of thing. Yeah, right pretty... on the north end of the island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had my, I had a little Chevy Chase experience there where. I was walking along with my wife, and my I wear a big hat so I don't get sunburned, and the wind caught it, and it blew 10 feet and landed at the feet of a topless girl who was coming out of the water, and I had to, like, dip my head and walk over to her feet, and you know, I was just, like, totally, totally stupid. You know, I was just, like, a dumb American, you know, and she didn't care. You know, she's European, and I'm all freaking out because she doesn't have a top on. It's kind of funny. <laughs> my, my wife, my wife's, I got back, my wife says, good job, Chevy Chase. You know? <laughs> so uh, my daughter's laughing at me. But, yeah, when my but, daughter's, uh, you know, they're coming down to that, I, I mean, hey, I'm a guy. I like looking at breasts, okay? <laughs> I, I have no problem <laughs> even admitting it to my wife and kids. So when my daughters were, I think, 11 or 12 years old when we first sailed over into the Mediterranean, and we were in Spain, and there were, we always said the BBBs, the bare-breasted babes. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd be looking at them, and my wife would be disgusted. My kids would be disgusted. I said, hey, honey, if they're willing to show it, I'm willing to look. So don't... Uh, and if a guy's not, he's lying to you. So <laughs> there you go, there you go. So so anyway, you did did you get out to um, now? This is a huge island, so you can spend a day just driving around this island. Then did you get out to the northwest corner where there's that other little uh, harbor out there, or northeast corner? I guess is the northeast was. corner. Yeah. yeah. So we went out there and had a had a delightful lunch and and sightseed. And we we thought about staying an extra day, but we were kind of on this mission to go go go. Unfortunately. Um, which is what and, you, what, you, which is what charters tend to be because you want to make, yeah. the, make the most and see the most of, uh, when you're there. So, yeah, it, it is a double-edged sword, isn't it? So, um, so, but the, the Northeast corner was there. We did not get to the Southern end of the Island at all. And, uh, um, but the town itself is delightful and, and, you know, very vibrant and lots of action and things like that. So I would, I would highly recommend you know, Milos to anybody going down there. You know, I've been there. We chartered. We went down there. We actually got blown. It was blowing so hard when I had my parents. This is my first experience in Greece, and we didn't have GPS at the time. And so we ended up going to Milos sort of by mistake because the wind was – I kept steering a comfortable <laughs> course, a comfortable course, a comfortable course, and we ended up going from uh, Poros all the way to Milos in one day. It was, it was a long, long day. But we liked it. It was a great we, – we were really glad we ended up there. And I've only been back one other time since, and, and that was by commercial ferry because my wife and kids, we were up in uh, Lavrion. They joined me. The Meltimis were blowing. They only had a week or so to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we said, well, we we got to get you back here for you to catch your flights out. So we said, well, let's leave the boat here and get on a ferry and go down to Milos. And that's what we did. And we just uh, rented a – a little room in Milos and rented a car and drove around and and that's the second time but that I haven't been back I've never been to Milos in my own sailboat yet hmm. maybe get there next summer we'll see yeah yeah well and there's a couple little fishing villages on the way in from you know because it's the the harbor to get to the harbor is probably f- five miles I think and the little villages are off on the shoreline uh, on the on the east side it's just it's just picture very picturesque 
Yeah, and it's a really untour. Not a lot of tourists go to Milos, and that's mm. uh, that's one of the yeah. other advantages too. I think it's sort of a bit off the beaten path. I think for the most most of the tourists, and that's a big bay. It's a big bay, so yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a. I mean, the, the bay is bigger than a lot of lakes in Wisconsin where my friends sail. So I mean, it's nice. So so we uh, then had to wrap up and start heading back north. And now, and now again, typically the prevailing air winds are from the north, right? And so we kind of lucked out, not not hitting on the nose too hard. But um, so we ended up powering up the the next day back up to um, uh, Seraphos. Nope. Yeah, we went past the, up to Seraphos, and uh, we we remember they have a big harbor in there. And quite frankly, I can't remember the harbor. I know we we must have been moored by then. Um, no, I take that back. That was the place we had to anchor out, and I made the mistake of putting two chains out, and um, but had a nice. And that was, I think, more of a more of a quiet time. I don't think we spent too much time on the island. We just kind of sat in the cockpit and enjoyed ourselves, and because uh, we knew we were kind of on our way on our way back. Not too much going on there. And then the last. Well, you day, really you really got lucky on heading back north because this is about the time that you have to beat your head, you know, beat your brains out to go north yeah and that's why i always worry about circle charters unless i'm going east and west in the kikladis you never know if it's going to be okay going back north so you got lucky you did get lucky with the weather now what what time of year was this that you went oh uh, this was the second week of june maybe the third week of june and somebody really said august is going to be the worst of that meltimi weather and july and august so i think that was sort of part of the the strategy and that's why we uh kind of kind of did it but again i don't think we we got an accurate wind forecast the whole week and so so we were kind of we got, but you know it's sailing so you go with the flow so we knew that i mean we're kind of arguing between an a and an a plus kind of thing so on the report card but um but yeah we had a nice time and that was where we came around the corner and again i couldn't find the island and then you know the island's like the size of manhattan and we went up for our last uh, our last night was up in um, Kithno- Kithnos to the north, and so really it was a good circle charter. We got to sail all day. Uh, that was our most expensive docking. I think they charged us ten euros. Some places I looked at my notes, they only charged us like two thirty or something. And I thought, well, no wonder the Greeks are going broke. And uh, and of course, you got to sign in. You got to show them your boat papers when you sign into the Coast Guard or the Harbor Patrol or whatever it was. But um, but we had a, we had a nice time in, at um, at Kithnos. The um, again, we did. There's some high parts of town near uh, near the harbor, so we walked up and took pictures of the harbor and the boat, you know. And and then we all rented a uh, taxi and and took that up to the top, uh, the top of the town, and walked around and had dinner up there and. On the way up, we shared it, you know, the, the taxi driver just stops and this little like five-year-old hops in and, and we're kind of like smiling, you know, and, and the taxi driver says, he's taking English language at the top of the hill. And so he, he rides along for free or something like that. So it was very kind of, oh, yeah, how cute. And uh, So you went up to the core of the town at the top of the hill then, huh? Yeah, yeah. And it looks like, I don't know if that's the name of the town is Kipnos or if that's just what my map is saying, but... It was, it was, I think, larger than than we expected. And uh, but again, a lot of little streets walking around, and they're all, you know, the size of horse cart wagons. So there's no cars, and you know, just 
everything's white and charming and and cats everywhere cats 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 so uh, so we had a great time now i'm looking at kithnos i i've only been to kithnos a, a couple times and i'm looking at your 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 chart that you showed on your youtube video of your route and it looks like the harbor you went to is the one on the north uh northeast side of the island is that just a little harbor there right or not um now i'm looking where did we go i thought we went to no you're right we went to the northeast because we knew the last day was was the um what was going to be we got to get the boat back to labrio so you're right we went to the north the north end and um and stayed there and so that you're right i was at the wrong end of, i was at the big harbor but that's true not true okay yeah looking at it. it looks like it's a decent size harbor and it's well protected it's a it's a full protection protected harbor so yeah it, it was and and we got the like the second last spot and it was the furthest in and it was by then it was like my fifth time mid-morning i'm like i can do this i can do this and then of course they ended up squeezing two more boats in after i got in and took the last spot and the wind was quite strong that day and the other thing, I, I, I guess, if you got in late, and I knew I wanted to get in early because of the Marquetta spots, but then the wind dies around you know, dinner time, I guess. And so quite a few boats anchored out until the wind dies. And then they all med moored right in the face of the dock you know, without any protection at all from the east. But there really wasn't any wind. And so, so you know, I felt so lucky to get the last spot. Well, in fact, once the wind dies, well, then they put another 30 boats on there. And, uh, and, and so that would have been an option, I guess, having – um, having not ever done that before is you get in and you, you know, you don't want to anchor out. Well, just, just wait until the sun goes down. The wind dies at least that time of year. That's what the, what, yeah. that's what it did, Some, so. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. If there's a real strong male team, it may blow all night long, but as a general rule, you're right. As a general rule, it does tend to calm down in the evenings. So, yeah. Yeah. The, this was not a male team. This was definitely from, well, maybe, maybe it was, well, it wasn't a big one, like blowing 40, like some do. So, yeah. But it was, uh, but it was, it was very nice, and um, so. Uh, and then the last day we had our biggest blow. It probably blew, yeah, a good eighteen to twenty-five out of the out of the nose, and we we powered all, or we um, we uh, beat all the way back north, back to Labrio, and got in okay. And so you did sail. You, you just tacked back and forth, then, huh? Yeah, we tacked back and forth. Well, it was, you know, it was along um, along to the northeast. We could just barely hold. Um, uh, 45 degrees to the wind to get to So Union, and then we tacked up the up to Labrio the last few bits, and uh, and of course sailing by So Union is great because you know there's this big Temple of Poseidon, and as I said, hey, you know sailors for 2,500 years have been going exactly looking up at the top of that hill, seeing exactly the same thing that we're seeing, and my kids couldn't have cared less, but I thought it was uh, so significant and. Uh, and so we had a nice sail. So, but I got a couple a couple other culture questions about Greece. Now that we know uh, where to go next time, and and so one of them is, when you go to dinner, and you have kind of a big dinner where you're spending some money, they always bring you this free dessert, and it's like about two inches by three inches. It's about the size of a brownie, but it's kind of pasty color, and it tastes like maple. Any idea what that is or what it's called or how to? I've did, got, did I've, got get... 
I've got must... Greek friends that could tell me the name of it, but they told me the name of it, and it instantly disappears from my brain. So <laughs> it's uh, – <laughs> did you also get some of the uh, – they also sometimes will bring it around a uh, – a, an alcoholic beverage for you to enjoy as well. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So you get a, you get a free dessert, which my one of my sons nicknamed multi meal pie, and uh, and then and then free drinks afterwards, and uh, and so it's just just delightful experience for, for the culture and, uh, um, and the food was food was good, a little bit pricey, but you know we're you're eating out, we're on vacation and expecting that. So now, did you have so some like of, I said, did you have some of the calamari while you were over there? I did, I did, and my other son had octopus one time, and and made a point of you know sucking in the octopus tentacle tentacle in his mouth like a spaghetti, you know, just to freak out his sisters. Yeah, so, uh, actually, last week I went to lunch with one of my clients who's actually sailed with me over in in Turkey, and we went to a restaurant, and he said, "Oh, they got calamari. I'm going to get some calamari," because he was imagining it was going to be as good as it was in Greece and Turkey. Oh. And he ordered, it and it was just terrible. And he said, oh. "I said, yeah, <laughs> you'll learn. You, you you never get that that tasty of a calamari anywhere in the United States. If I found the calamari tastes anywhere near as good as it does over there, or they just know how to prepare it better over there. But yeah, so I like the calamari. Would usually mm-hmm. order, you would share an order of, of Mm-hmm. calamari with everybody but um i get tired you know we have a greek festival in salt lake every year and everybody gets excited about going to the greek festival and i'm usually at the end of the summer i've had so <laughs> much greek food <laughs> the last thing i want to have yeah, is more greek so... food. i'm searching around everywhere i go in greece i tell them hey where's the nearest chinese restaurant where's yeah. a thai restaurant or chinese restaurant because i get <laughs> i get really tired of greek food after a while so yeah, we were the same way because, again, we, my wife and uh, daughter went to the grocery store to kind of stock us up. Well, on the last day, we had um, a, a, a spaghetti sauce and, and you know, spaghetti. She said, this will be a dinner, you know. And, and so then we walked around town asking for Italian sausage. <laughs> and of course, no, half the people, and we're in this little, little island, and, of course, most people didn't speak much. There were a lot of people who didn't speak any English at all. And... Uh, and so there was definitely no Italian sausage in Greece. And uh, but they did, they did. Uh, my parents told a story. They they sell something. If it was Italy, I would call it a calzone. It's kind of a a sandwich that's wrapped and baked. It's and it's very flaky crust. And usually the inside is spinach and and um, and feta and something like that, or some black olives. And so we would get those for lunch quite a bit. And my my parents had ordered one. And uh, they were in a little island, and the guy didn't speak much English. And, and they were pointing it, and he says, Amanches. And they go, oh, and he goes, what? And he goes, Amanches. And they're like, what is Amanches? And he, the man's kind of mad, Amanches. And so they, they uh, went and bought one anyways, and they got home, and it was ham and cheese. <laughs> and and so, uh, so then when we were out, we would buy these. And one time we bought one. We didn't know what it was. And I said, what is it? And my daughter said, Almond shows. <laughs> we had all know, heard the story and got the joke. It was kind of fun. Yeah, those. So. Uh, that's a phyllo dough that they wrap around those sandwiches. Oh, there. sure, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I've forgotten that. Yeah. It's delicious. So, so that was uh, that was my beginner cruise. Like I said, if there are any other people out there thinking about it, highly encourage it. I and uh, and I greatly enjoy your podcast and hearing the experience that you've got and all the little coves and nooks and crannies you find. So. Uh, Again, I want to tip my hat to your sailing, uh, sailing experience and style, and uh, 
and and um, keep it up. I really appreciate you sharing your your stories and your adventures with us. This is what I really want the podcast to be is an exchange of of information with people that have been that have been out there. So thanks, Tom, for for reaching out and coming on. I, I really appreciate your time and your and your expertise or, and your or your your imp- impressions of your trip now do you have another trip planned with your family or what what are your plans for next year well you know we really do not we've uh we've talked about it and and uh you know now my other kid has graduated and so we uh we've had a we've had some wedding reunions and and uh we're all going to florida for thanksgiving to well, my father's in a retirement community, and and I, I just reread his Greek journal also before this podcast to kind of refresh, refresh the style of it. So, uh, so no, we don't have anything planned. But I, I think the next thing I want to do is um, in the south side of the the Caribbean, someplace down there, uh, just because it's a little bit closer to the states. You know, I don't quite have the wherewithal to spend two months in the med like you do, but uh, but I I definitely. Having been to the BVI more than once, I'm ready to to try something, and uh, and I'd like to find a a charter where I can go one way instead of doing the circle route to your point, um, just in case of the weather and, uh, and, uh, and then you see more things too. So, yeah. Now let me ask you, what did the charter cost you for the week? Do you re- recall off the top of your head? Um, boy, I want to say it was about, it was a 43 footer cause we almost got a 41. I want to say it was about 33, $3,400 back in 2013. Okay. And and I figured if I had, you know if I was going back I would call uh, Navigar directly. I think the the guys at um, Late Sale that kind of booked it for me, I think their cut was about three hundred bucks. And you know as a beginner the first time that was worth, definitely worth it. Kind of a little bit of insurance for me. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't didn't regret doing that at all. And I could always call them, you know, as we're getting closer and closer, and um, as opposed to sending an email to to Athens and freaking out. So. Uh, so that, that sort of helped me. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate you coming okay. online. And, and if you have any questions, I always enjoy getting your emails. Thanks a lot, Tom. Sure, I'll send, it, send you more. All right. Okay. Talk, Talk to you later. later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it when listeners reach out to me and have suggestions for, for interviews and podcasts and topics to cover. If you like this podcast, please go in the iTunes store or whatever directory that you use to listen to this podcast and write a review on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Again, my email, franz1, F-R-A-N-Z-1, at medsailor.com. And of course, the website is medsailor.com. Get out there and go sailing. Joe. Do you have something to tell me? No, I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joe. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joe. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you? Every once in a while, you just got to say, what the heck? And take some chances. You are so right. You've made me very proud. I was just thinking.
where we might be 10 years from now, you know? 